Um, let's welcome Tim to the stage. Just give him a round of applause. Um, if you've not met Tim, um, do, do take a seat. If you've not met Tim, Tim is um, one of the senior leaders at Woodlands Church in Bristol. Woodlands, um, if, if we're honest, Woodlands is, is one of the, it's the largest church in Bristol. Um, and it has, uh, it's unusual in, the, in being a large church, it has played a massive role in the unity of the church. Often those two things don't come together, do they? Um, and, and so Tim and others have fostered a sense of unity across the denominations in the city over the last 30 years. Um, so we're grateful for that, but we're also grateful that you're here to speak to us. So Tim, welcome. Thank you very much. Um, well, yes, as um, James said, actually unity is something we totally believe in. Uh, there's only one church in Bristol, and that's the church that belongs to Jesus. And so visiting here, it's like seeing family. And although I recognize a few faces, not many, but uh, I know that as we have been worshiping our Heavenly Father, it's the same Heavenly Father across the city, isn't it? And to, to see outposts of uh, God's kingdom uh, touching our city, and uh, I, f- I follow the Instagram account from, from B&A here, so I see some of the kind of images of, of some of the things that you're doing. I actually really kind of impressed that uh, for some of the things you're doing, in particular in serving uh, those who are physically hungry as well as those who are spiritually hungry. So it's a real privilege to be here. So uh, greetings from uh, Woodlands uh, Church. And um, uh, yeah, Wayne asked um, if I'd come along and uh, speak about my passion. Uh, Wendy has um, been part of a theological course that um, I helped set up a number of years ago and and one of the lecturers was there, and uh, she heard me speaking. She came back and said, "Oh, Wayne, we must get Tim to come and talk to BNA Church." Um, and uh, so Wayne said, "Oh, let's invite a few people over, maybe over the year uh, to talk about their passion." So, Passion Sunday. What? What? If you would say, "What was your passion?" What would your passion be? I don't know whether it is. Um, I've talked. To, it's cooking. Whether cooking is your passion. Whether there's a football team that's your passion. Um, I don't know if, if um, when people preach from the front here, of whether you kind of you sense kind of what their passion is. Whatever the the passages they have to speak on, uh, somehow they manage to get their favourite topic into the sermon. Uh, my colleague uh, uh, Rob Scott Cook is. Um, I mean, he just loves Alpha. He just thinks Alpha is the best way for people to come and find Jesus. Um, and so when Whenever he gets to preach, wherever he gets to talk, uh, he'll always mention Alpha, whether it's kind of morning service, evening service, kind of baptism, christening, kind of wedding, bar mitzvah, kind of wherever he gets to speak, uh, he'll talk about Alpha. My, I've got two sons, and they always have had a little sweepstake going. They'd kind of, before he, Rob would start talking, they'd have a little guess how many minutes in before he'd mention Alpha, and, um, and there'd be a little giggle when, the, when he finally did. If you were to ask, um, what's is Jesus' obsession. If you were to read through those gospel accounts of uh, those, the life of Jesus, and you'd think, well, actually, what was it that, that Jesus was uh, obsessed by? And I think it's fascinating that um, as you look through the teaching of Jesus, actually, it seems to be that Jesus has an obsession with this topic, the kingdom of God, or Matthew is the kingdom of heaven. It's the same thing. Um, he seems to have an obsession that actually, whenever he seems to get the opportunity to talk about something, he would mention the kingdom of God. In fact, if you've ever asked the question, why do you think Jesus came to earth? I'm not sure what would be the first thing that comes to your head. He came to this earth to save us from our sins. He came to this earth to show us what God was like. Well, in Luke chapter 4, verse 43, Jesus says the reason why he felt he came to this earth. 
Um, they'd been preaching in a little village. He'd, in the, early that morning, he'd gone to pray. His disciples come to find him. And he says this. He said to them, I must preach the good news of the kingdom of God to other towns also, because that is why I was sent. Jesus' own sense of mission was, there's something about this thing called the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven. And actually, the kingdom of heaven needs to come on earth. Actually, that is the very reason I was sent. Those three years of ministry, in fact, is death and resurrection. They were all about the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven. The kingdom's mentioned in over a hundred different verses in the Gospels, most of them by Jesus. He kind of, he seems to be obsessed, kind of, he, he says this, Mark chapter 1 verse 15, the time has come, the kingdom of God is near, repent and believe the good news. And then time and time and time and time again, he would just tell the parables, I mean just these wonderful stories to illustrate kind of wisdom and insight and how we should respond to God and, and what life is like. And he would start off these parables very frequently by saying, this is what the kingdom of God is like. He seemed to be so obsessed and so taken up with this idea of the kingdom of God. In fact, when he sends his disciples on a little mission trip to the towns he's going to visit, he sends them out and he says, actually, this is what I want you to say. They'd only been with him a matter of months, but he, he sends them out on a mission. He says this, he sent them out to preach, you've guessed it, the kingdom of God, and to heal the sick. In chapter 10, he sends out the 72, and this time it's the other way around. He says, heal the sick. And when do they say, how do you do that? Tell them, the kingdom of God is near you. The kingdom of God is near you. So through the, Acts, through the Gospels, we see uh, Jesus talking about the kingdom. But when it comes to Acts uh, of the Apostles, Jesus has 40 days. 40 days between his, uh, his resurrection and his ascension. Forty days to be with his disciples. Forty days to teach them and help them and train them, to equip them to, be, to take the good news of the kingdom to the whole of the world. And you might think, what would he, if he had just 40 days to teach his disciples, what would he teach them? Some leadership skills, um, some financial management, personality types, kind of, I mean, I mean, what would, I don't know, if you had kind of just 40 days to teach uh, and the embryonic church, and it says this, after suffering, he showed himself to these men and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days, and he spoke about the kingdom of God. Of course he did. He, it was his obsession. It was his kind of, he would, whenever he got the chance, he would talk about the kingdom of God. We see Paul, again, that great apostle of Jesus, as he comes to, uh, to the end of the Acts of the Apostles. And, and we hear, kind of, as, as Luke just does his final kind of sign-off, he says this, and boldly without hindrance, he, that's Paul, preached the kingdom of God and taught about the Lord Jesus Christ. We think of Paul quite often talking about Christ and, and him crucified, but Luke's recollection in, in seeing his ministry, and as he does this little kind of editorial comment, he says, actually, he was preaching about the kingdom of God and the Lord Jesus Christ. It seems to be that for Jesus, his obsession was the kingdom. Now, if you were to ask me what's my main obsession, I would say my main obsession is Jesus. I love him. I mean, he's wonderful, isn't he? I mean, his, 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 his love, his compassion, his wisdom, the way he stands up against injustice. I mean, I just love Jesus. And if you were to ask me what was my obsession, I would say it was Jesus. But if I'm obsessed with Jesus, maybe I ought to be obsessed with his 
obsession. Actually, if, if I'm living my life orientated around this wonderful man, then surely the things that bothered him should be the things that bother me. And if he was so, th- he said, actually, the reason that I'm in this world, this world that's chaotic, this world that's dark, the world that's broken, if the reason I know why I was sent was to preach the good news of the kingdom, surely that's the reason that we've been sent. We've been sent to proclaim and declare the kingdom of God is near. But I wonder how much we think about the kingdom of God. I wonder how much we hear those words of Jesus, seek first his kingdom, seek first his kingdom. Actually, in our Christian life, we can seek other things first, our blessing or our success or our vibrancy of church. Or what do we think that Jesus meant when he uses that phrase, the kingdom of God? Because we can pray, it can't be in the Lord's Prayer, your kingdom come, your will be done. And, but sometimes we don't quite, well, what does that actually mean? What does it mean kind of uh, day by day, week by week, to, to seek first uh, God's kingdom and his righteousness? I mean, for some people, um, they equate, when Jesus talked about God's kingdom, actually what we mean today is we mean the church. Um, when he said the, God's king, the kingdom of heaven, he's talking now about the church. And, and some people seek first the church and, and, and make church. Now, I love church. I, I, I work for, for a church. I have done uh, for over 30 years now. Um, but I don't think that church and kingdom are the same. Um, or maybe some like Augustine, or uh, you may have read the book by um, uh, McKnight, The Kingdom Conspiracy. And again, the conclusion he would come to is that the church is uh, the kingdom. But I think they are fundamentally different. I think that the church is the means by which the kingdom comes in. The church is like the wine skin, uh, but the kingdom is the wine. They have got something to do with each other. But actually, if you get so absorbed with the church and church activity, I think you might miss what the kingdom is. I think sometimes, and, and, and I know I was brought up, my dad was an Anglican vicar, our whole lives were orientated around keeping church kind of going, and, and you can be absorbed with church, and however good church is, it isn't the kingdom. I remember reading a book probably about oh, 30 years ago um, by uh, a man called uh, Howard Snyder, and he says this in a book called Liberating the Church. He says this, the church gets into trouble whenever it thinks it's in the church business rather than the kingdom business. In the church business, people are concerned with church activities, religious behavior, and spiritual things. In the kingdom business, people are concerned with kingdom activities, all human behavior, and everything God has made visible and invisible. Church people think about how they can get people into the church. Kingdom people think about how to get the church into the world. Church people worry that the world might change the church. Kingdom people work to see the church change the world. And I just find that just really quite a helpful insight. A helpful insight in how do we spend our time and our passions and our our enthusiasms. and, And can it sometimes be pulled towards church rather than the kingdom? And during my kind of life experience, I, I know that I've, something that is, is true is the church will always disappoint you. <laughs> actually, it will. However great the, the leaders are, however great the community is, actually, at some point, church will disappoint you. And if you're living just for the church and the church lets you down, then somehow it could erode what you Believe in kind of how you live. But actually, you'll never be disappointed with seeking first the kingdom. 
actually, even if you get imprisoned and, and, and tortured and, and, and martyred, actually, the kingdom still, still wins. Actually, there's something about living first for the kingdom rather than living first for the church that I think Jesus wants to call us to. So just in a, in a few minutes, I think, well, um, great, Jesus' obsession, the kingdom of God. Maybe it should be our obsession too. But, but realistically, Tim, what, what does it look like? I mean, I can leave Sunday morning here and think, do you know what, I've just got to think a bit more about the kingdom of God. I've got to maybe read a book or two. And, but actually, what does, it, what does it really mean? What does it really look like? For some people, it could be, well, the kingdom of God is to do with God's sovereignty. And in some ways, I've just got to yield and submit to God's kingdom. He is the king, and, and I'll just kind of go along with whatever he does. But as I read through Scripture, I feel that the kingdom is much more dynamic than static. I don't think that God's kingdom is about a king there that we pray, your kingdom come and your will be done, and we just fold our arms and just wait for him to do his thing. Actually, I think if we read through Scripture, we find that the kingdom is dynamic rule. Actually, God's kingdom is about a cooperation between God and humanity. I think God is always looking for people he can cooperate with. Now, um, when you come as a visiting speaker, often you maybe think, uh, I want the talk to be memorable. I want people to kind of, for the, the talk to last long in the memory. And so maybe what I think, well, maybe to make this sermon very memorable, what if I had this thought? What if I had this thought that halfway through the talk, I would go over to James and I'd just really punch James on the nose? And maybe, and maybe blood would spur everywhere. Yeah, I mean, you'd remember that, wouldn't you? Now, the thing is, if I just had that thought and I didn't have a body, I'd be quite frustrated. But the thing is, I have a thought, and I have a body. So as I come down to the front row, my fist is clenched, and my fist comes down towards James's nose. James might exclaim, the kingdom of Tim Dobson is at hand. And as it kind of whack, and the blood starts to flow, he might say, the kingdom of Tim Dobson has come. Now, in some ways, I think that what is read through Scripture, that's what God's doing. As God's got thoughts and dreams and hopes and longings for his broken world, and the hopes that are for good and for healing and for restoration and for, and for life. And he, he's not just in heaven with those few thoughts. Actually, he always knew that he wanted to cooperate with people. Abraham, will you listen to my voice? Will you follow me? Yes, I will. Isaac, Jacob, Moses, David. Actually, they, here's some, I want to cooperate with you. I want all my dreams and my longings of, of well-being, of healing, of salvation. I want them to break into this world, but I'm going to use you. People of Israel, Mount Sinai, here's my law, here's my code, here's my heart that's, that's given to you. Will you be my body? Will you be my people? And we see this longing heart of God to cooperate with humanity that through the Old Testament time and time again fails until Jesus, Jesus appears and God is there in human form. The God who has thoughts and longings and dreams for the well-being of humanity, suddenly it's condensed here in human form as Jesus walks amongst us. And of course, at that moment, the kingdom of heaven is near. And when Jesus touches a cripple and he heals a leper and he rises a little boy from the dead, of course the kingdom of God has come. Why? Because God has not just got dreams and thoughts and longings in heaven. 
Actually, he's got a body here on earth. And God's always looked for a body to cooperate with his kingdom life. Right from the book of, of Genesis, where we see God blessed them and said to them, Be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air, over every living creature that moves, on the, on the, uh, um, moves over the ground. It's, a, it's ruling, cooperating with God. Even at the end, Revelation 22, verse 5, uh, there will be no more night. They will not need the light of a lamp or the light of the sun, for the Lord God will give them light, and they will reign forever and ever. It seems to be that God wants his kingdom life. He, he seems to want to cooperate of course, when Jesus was here on earth, God's kingdom dreams and longings were just demonstrated through his body. But as Jesus dies and comes back to life and commissions his church, his church is now the body. He's the head. He says this to his uh, group of followers about the kingdom life. He says, don't be afraid. This is in, in, in Luke chapter 12. Don't be afraid, little flock. For your father is pleased to give you the kingdom. Be an A church. Don't be afraid. Little flock. God is pleased to give you the kingdom. Actually, there's something now that how is God's dreams and longings and hopes for, for a dying, broken world, how are they going to be seen on earth? Well, he has a body now. It's you. We cooperate with his longings. We're in touch with Jesus the head. And his thoughts and his hopes, his desires, his dreams, those kingdom longings. Now, if we're open to that, actually, we are now his body. We cooperate here on earth with his kingdom intentions. We seek first his kingdom. How is Bristol going to be changed through the body of Jesus? Who's that? That's you. Are you, though, living, anticipating God's kingdom is going to break in every day through your life? Every day, seeking first God's kingdom, his dreams, his longings, his hopes, his aspirations for every person that you meet in the workplace, at the school gate, along your, kind of, uh, along your street. Are you longing for that kingdom to come on earth as it is in heaven, for the darkness to be banished, for light to come, for there to be love instead of hate, for there to be peace instead of anxiety? Do you seek first God's kingdom? Because we are his body. Don't be afraid, little flock. It's the Father's good pleasure, plan A, to give you Yes, you, God's kingdom. So just as I finish, how does that work out? Well, I think it works out in, um, I think, out of Paul's little summary of the kingdom of God. He says this in, in Romans 14, verse 17. He says, for the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. The kingdom of God isn't religious ritual. It's not religious practice. The Jews had all kinds of eating and drinking laws. He said the kingdom of God's not that. It's not dry, dull religion. It's these four things. God's kingdom is to do with righteousness, a righteousness that's available from Jesus. Actually, God's longing dream is that everyone will be put right with God. Everyone will have a, the opportunity to know God as a heavenly father. How do we find that righteousness? What's only available in Jesus? Well, how are people going to find out about Jesus? Well, we seek first kingdom. We share the name of Jesus. We share the opportunity that, of God's dream. for. They just want anyone to perish. Anyone that you know who's not yet a Christian, Jesus died for them. There's a righteousness available in Jesus that they could have. How are they going to know? 
Well, God needs a body to declare that kingdom truth. Salvation is found in no other name apart from the name of Jesus. So how do we seek first God's kingdom? We share our faith. We witness. We take opportunities to, to say when people say to you, oh, how was your weekend? Do you know what? I went to church on Sunday. It was great. And, and, and we take just little opportunities to share who Jesus is. The second thing he says is, is about, um, about peace. Paul, when he uses that word peace, it's not like in the West we talk about the absence of war or kind of when the kids are in bed, there's kind of peace. Oh, For them, peace was shalom. It was this sense of, it was a community. Actually, peace was not just about being put right with God. It was being put right with people. It was being put right with community. Peace, peace was about community thriving and, and working well. And, and of course, we should be committed to loving the Lord our God with all our heart, soul, and strength. But we should be loving our neighbors as ourselves. Part of kingdom seeking is seeing how does peace, shalom, touch our community. I was brought up in a church that was, was uh, very strongly evangelical. We preached the word, we preached the gospel. We felt that was our, our total calling. And I, I went to, to do a little bit of a training with a church in London, and, and they kind of were involved in social action. And I just thought, oh, that's kind of, uh, kind of slightly liberal kind of... Uh, but actually, they were passionate about Jesus as well. And I can remember one Saturday, we were going out to do some evangelism in London, pouring with rain. And kind of eventually we signed up, we had enough, packed the PA away. And on this high-rise block opposite, this elderly lady was waving to us. And uh, so two of us thought we'd carry on our evangelism. We went upstairs, up, up the stairs, and talked to her and said, I said, what are you doing? We said, we're from this church. We're just sharing our faith about the Lord Jesus. Uh, and she said, which church? Um, and we said the name of the church. And she went really quiet. And tears started coming to her eyes. And I said, oh, have uh, you come across the church before? And she said, yes, yes, I had. Uh, it was about three years ago. My husband and I, we'd been married for over 50 years, and, and three years ago he, he died. And when he died, I just, my world fell apart. And, and he said, you know that kind of on their special days, birthdays, wedding anniversaries, where the pain seems to be just that much more intense. And he said, it came to my f the first Christmas without my husband, and I was just dreading it. And... But when the day came, it was worse than I imagined because there was this torrential downpour of rain and, and the guttering above my bay window somehow broke loose, smashed the glass, and all the black gunge of the London... I just swept over my bed, over the carpet in my little bed city, in my bed, one-bed flat. And she said, I just didn't know what to do. I phoned the social services, but it was Christmas Day, they were closed. In desperation, I said, I phoned the police, and they were short-staffed, and they said... Um, we can't, I'm afraid we can't do anything. But they said this, there's a church down the road, we'll give them a call. And as tears now were coming down her face, she said, and do you know what? 14 young people from that church on Christmas Day, they came to clean my flat, fix the window, and gave me Christmas lunch. And I don't know why they did it. It's the kingdom of God. It's the peace. It's the shalom where no widow, no orphan, no foreigner is, kind of goes without being noticed and seen. How do you seek first God's kingdom? It has to be sharing our faith, but it has to be loving the world around about us. Just lastly, I think it is to do with joy. There's something about, of course, it's, past, it's, it's uh, evangelism. Of course, it's social action, but it is pastoral care. It's, it's noticing people who are in pain, and as you see the release of their pain, God's kingdom comes on earth as it is in heaven. 
I don't know if you've ever been asked, James, to go and to exercise a house. Um, but I, I was asked a few, uh, just before Christmas, if I was this um, young woman, 30 years old, uh, not a Christian, uh, probably has a few little kind of uh, anxiety uh, issues, but she felt that her house was demon-possessed, so she asked if I'd go around to pray around her house. So I, I prayed around her house and splashed some holy water around. And, and as I, I finished praying, I said, and would you mind me praying for you as well, just for the light of Jesus to fill you? And she wasn't a Christian, but she said, yes, please do. And kind of, I don't know when you pray, whether you close your eyes or put your hands together. I mean, she just looked straight at me. So I thought, you know what, I'll just look straight back. <laughs> and I just prayed, and I said, Jesus, I just pray for you now. I just pray you'd know the love of Jesus. I pray you'd know the light of Jesus in your heart. I pray you know something of the, of the joy of Jesus. And, and she starts to cry. I just feel, actually, there's something about the joy of this dear life that somehow had been crushed by all kinds of things. The joy of God's kingdom was coming on earth as it is in heaven. She sent me a little note two, two days ago to say that uh, she'd not been out of the house for, for three months. She said she went out to do some Christmas shopping a few weeks later. She's been able to in, go to sleep without any nightmares. And again, God's kingdom coming on earth as it is in heaven. And there's something about, lastly, the Holy Spirit. How do we see this happen? It has to be in the Holy Spirit. It has to be you saying, I want your kingdom to come in the secret places of my life. That fruit of the Spirit to blossom, to grow, to ripen. That people can taste Jesus by your reactions and your words and your attitudes. The gifts of the Spirit grow. Where the gifts of the Spirit that, that there's demonstrations of power and words of wisdom and, and words of knowledge. That, that kind of, that part of seeing God's kingdom come. During the worship time, I was there and thinking, well, I wonder if there's any word of knowledge for anyone here. And I, I did wonder whether anyone had a frozen shoulder. Now, you might be frozen all over because of the weather. But it kind of, maybe some, actually, if you've got a frozen shoulder and would like a bit of prayer, I'd love to pray for you over coffee time in a moment. Um, and that's seeking first God's kingdom with the gifts of the Spirit. As those gifts are worked out within the body and into the world, God's kingdom comes. I've run out of time. But I'd just like a chance to pray. Because there's something that Jesus, he was obsessed with the kingdom of God. And if you're here this morning as somebody who loves Jesus, I think you should love the kingdom. I, should, I think you should have a passion for God's kingdom that overrides any other passion that you have. A passion to see the good news of Jesus, the name of Jesus being made known. We look at the world with all the darkness and the sorrow and the sadness and the pressure. And we think, how's it going to change? It's not going to be politics. It's not going to be money. It's going to be Jesus. And he needs a body. He needs a body who are going to seek first his kingdom. And I wonder whether God can count you in. I wonder if you this morning would say, I want to seek first God's kingdom. Not sure what it's going to look like. Not sure what it's going to take. But I want to be in. Let's pray. As we just take a moment um, to pray, let us uh, consider where we put our passions, where we put our obsessions, where we put the focus of our thought life and our gifts and our money and our uh, dreams. And let's bring them to Jesus now and say, Jesus, I love you. Jesus, I follow you. Jesus, you are Lord of my life.
please will you this morning give me your obsession with God's kingdom? Please will help me to not be held by religious activity, but by sharing the good news, the righteousness, by seeing the release of shalom, peace. To see a breaking out kingdom joy. I'm not sure what you do here, but um, sometimes at our church, uh, just a physical movement can sometimes indicate what we're trying to pray on the inside. And actually, if, if you feel this morning, actually, yeah, I would love to, I'm not quite sure what it's going to mean, but I'd love to be somebody that takes part in seeking first God's kingdom. I wonder if you'd like to, to stand up and I'll just pray that last bit, which is the Holy Spirit, to help you. So, so if you feel that just this morning you're slightly kind of stirred and you think, do you know what, I'd love to be part of the body that sees God's kingdom come in Bristol as in heaven. Uh, if you just want to stand and I'll just say a, a prayer for us as we finish our service. God, as we stand or as we're still seated, Lord, we just say this. Your heart breaks for our world, yet you have dreams and longings and hopes that are for a future, for doing us good. And we need your Holy Spirit. We need your Holy Spirit each day to guide us, to lead us, to equip us. So for these people here now, I just want to pray again. Holy Spirit, will you come? Holy Spirit, will you fill them? Holy Spirit, will you equip them? Give them the words they need. Give them the love they need. Give them the gifts they need. I pray that the fruit of the Spirit would grow in their lives. And we do pray that prayer, the ancient prayer, pray through the centuries. Let your kingdom come and your will be done here in Bristol as it is in heaven.